You're listening to a sermon from Pastor Caleb Gordon of First Baptist Church of Cedarville, Kansas. We pray this message encourages and blesses you this week. If you'd like to join us to worship in person, we meet every Sunday at 11 a.m. at 418 Monroe Street in Cedarville, Kansas. We would love to see you. Find out more about us online at our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Cedarvale First Baptist. If these messages bless you in any way, please consider giving to help support the ministry at First Baptist Church. Our mailing address is First Baptist Church, Cedarvale, Kansas, P.O. Box 456, Cedarvale, Kansas, 67024. Acts chapter 10 is where we'll be. We're, we're continuing our study. I know last week we had uh, Brother Danny here sharing his testimony. Just a, a great time of worship and fellowship last week. And, and um, week before that we were in Acts chapter 9. This week we're in Acts chapter 10. And we saw the, the decree of God and the providence of God in Paul's life in Acts chapter 9. And we're going to see in Acts chapter 10 God doing once again his sovereign decree having sovereign decree and and drawing men to himself. God always provides a way for the gospel to be preached and proclaimed to those who need to hear it. And and we we actively, and and he, he will always actively and properly provide a way for the good news of his death, burial, and resurrection for sinful people to be proclaimed where it is needed. And we saw that happen, like I said, in Acts chapter 9 with Paul's conversion. Remember, Paul was not really looking for Jesus in such a way to submit his life to him. He was looking, to, looking for Jesus to try to stamp him out. And, and so we saw Paul be saved. And then as a result of being saved, we then begin to see him proclaim the good news of Jesus in the public square. And so this week we're going to see God's decrees and the gospel go out now to the Gentiles. We're going to see you know, the Jews were being saved. Now we're going to begin to see Gentiles, those that are not of Jewish descent, Gentiles um, being saved. So folks like you and I, folks that are not Jews, being offered the call of salvation. So um, we... Uh, we ask the question, why, why, does, why did God do this? Psalms 23 tells us the reason he does all of these things is for his name's sake. For his name's sake. The Lord Jesus Christ, listen, for, the, for his name's sake, the Lord Jesus Christ does not and will not throw his people away. And we find out, we find out that he has people from all tribes, all nations, all tongues, all nationalities. God is redeeming and calling people even this morning into his family. So today we're going to read in um, Acts chapter 10. I was in Romans. Wow, that's not going to work this morning. So let's go over a couple. I mean, it, I mean, I guess it could have worked, but... We're going to meet a guy named Cornelius. Cornelius is of the Italian cohort. So we're going to start um, this, this text here this morning. And we're going to see um, he's a devout man who fears God. And he has some information about who God is. And he's faithful to worship and do what he, what he thinks he's supposed to do. He's being devoted. And he's being, he's being um, obedient to, his, to where he's at. And we see this man is, is given under understanding of who God is. And with the revelation of who God is, he's being obedient 
and faithful. So we're going to start in verses chapter one, chapter ten, verses one through eight. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort, a devout man who feared God with all of his household and gave alms generously to the people and prayed continuously to God. And about the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come to him and say, Cornelius. And he stared at him in terror and said, what is it, Lord? Notice the Lord is capitalized. So he is understanding that this is God, that he, that this is the angel. Anytime you see the angel of the Lord, that typically means that's God. That's God. And he said to him, your prayers and your alms have ascended into the memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and bring them to one Simon who is called Peter. He is lodging with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke this to him had departed, he called two of his servants and a devout soldier from among those whom attended him. And having related everything, relaying everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. So we have... Cornelius, he's in Caesarea, he's a faithful man, he's, a, he's a, a devout man, he has information about God, and thus far he is not being irresponsible with the information that he has. And I'm, I'm going to tell you, the information that you have, the light that's been given to you, the way you're obedient with that light is how you're going to get to the next level of understanding of light from God. By default, we said this in Sunday school, by default, every single human being on the planet has an understanding because of conscience and creation that God is here. There is no such thing as atheists. They can say they are, but they are not. Atheists are not real because every single imprinted on the heart and mind of every man, woman, boy, and girl is that there is a God. And when you walk out the front door this morning, you're going to see that there is a God because of creation. Amen? Amen? You're going to see creation so you know that there is a creator. And so when God gives us information like this, we need to be faithful with what he gives us and not dismiss what God is doing in our lives. We need to be willing to hear from God and from his word to be faithful and be obedient with what is given to us. So this man is a devout man who has an encounter with an angel of God. And like I said, I, I believe that when you, anytime you see in the text where it says the, 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 the Lord or the angel of God or something of that nature, it is typically God himself. I don't know that in particular here, but that is typically when you see when he says the angel of God, that is typically um, God himself. And so he has this encounter and this, this angelic being tells him that his prayers and his alms have risen to the throne room of God and that God is going to provide a way for him to hear the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. He tells him that there's a guy named Simon, a.k.a. Peter, and he's lodging with Simon the Tanner by the sea. Gives him very specific directions. His address is right there by the sea. You can't miss it. Simon the Tanner, there it is. Go. You're going to go to his house. So let's keep going in verse 9. The next day, so now we've, we've jumped. If it's in a movie, we've jumped one scene. So now we had a scene in, in Cornelius' house. Now we're jumping. And the next day, as they were... And on their journey approaching the city, Peter went up to the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. 
So, so Peter is spending time. He's one of the disciples. He's spending time alone, praying and seeking God's will for his life. And I believe, listen, this is a personal note here this morning. I believe that we as Christians need to be doing this as often as we can. And I think the reason so many of us struggle with where we are in our lives is because we are not truly spending time in prayer, asking God to lead us, guide us, and to show us where we need to go. And I think, furthermore, if we spent more time in prayer, our lives would start to fall into place more and more because God would give us direction as to what we're supposed to be doing. And I'm not talking about simple prayers like just, God, thanks for the day. Thank you for all you've given me, Lord Jesus. Protect us and shield us. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm not talking about this. When he went up to spend time in prayer, he was seeking God's face. When's the last time we as individuals sought God's face about a subject or about Something that's going on in our lives. I think we'd have more and more um, things fall into place if we were spending time before God. And often, this is how I know Peter was a Baptist. Um, verse 10. <laughs> My wife's like, stop it. <laughs> he became hungry. Thank you, PJ got that. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing it, he fell into what is a trance and saw the heavens opened and something like a great sheet descending, being let down by the four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles, birds of the air. And there came a voice from heaven saying, Arise, Peter, kill and eat. There's a pro hunting verse here. Saying. So while he's praying, he becomes hungry, and while he the food is being so someone is preparing the food in the house, in Simon the Tanner's house. This is not the, there's two Simons in the room. Simon the Tanner and Simon, who is aka Peter. But so Peter is staying in Simon the Tanner's house and they're making food. And while it's being prepared, he falls into this trance or dreamlike state, and God shows him. What seems like a sheet with animals, it's, it's a sheet being let down from the four corners with all kinds of animals on it. With all kinds of animals. And God shows him this. And, and there comes a voice telling him, listen, arise, kill, and eat this food. Now, I want you to understand something here. This sheet is more than just a bed sheet. It has meaning to it. It has meaning to all of it. Notice it says, the four corners. The four corners. This is symbolic of the four corners of the earth. North, south, east, west. Four corners. The entire earth. And I'll unpack that. why that's important here in a little bit. But all these animals are not just animals either. There's, there's more to them than just the types of animals. It says all kinds and the next thing you see here is this voice saying, Arise, Peter, kill and eat. And if you know the Old Testament, food laws were there for a certain time and reason. Jews didn't eat certain things. They were very, in fact, Orthodox Jews to this day are incredibly strict on what they can and cannot eat. That's the reason I love Jesus. He made bacon a good thing. Just saying. They were, they're, they're incredibly strict in all these things. And I, and I want to keep this, 
I, I, I want to keep them in a separate, uh, they, keep them, they wanted to do this to keep themselves separate from pagan rituals, which I understand. They wanted to keep themselves clean from the world. It's a good thing. It's not a bad thing as to what they, why they were trying to do this. They wanted to keep themselves separate from the pagan nations. And they, they wanted to do what was right in the eyes of God. And they did not want to eat anything that was unclean. Now, they did not even want to have the appearance of anything uh, being a part of anything that was uncommon or unclean. So they, they, ha- they set very hard lines on this. But God's trying to help Peter understand something with the coming of the new covenant and to call the church into something different. And so God ends these diet. Listen, when Jesus came, the dietary restrictions ended. They ended. Mark chapter 17, verse 19 reiterates this as well. It says, since, um, I'm sorry, it reiterates that fact in Mark chapter 7, verse 19 as well, that these dietary restrictions have ended. And so, um, then we see in verse, back in Acts chapter 10, verse 19, it says, since it entered, um, well, well, let me just read it. I'll just read Mark real quick. Since, it's entered into the, since it enters not into the heart, but its stomach, and is expelled, thus is declared, all food is clean. But Peter's not, Peter's not fully sold. Remember, remember what happened to Peter? He... He already had one moment where he said, oh, Lord, I'm not going to deny you. I got this. I got this. And then what did he do? Denied him three times. Rooster crowed. He's... So he's having this moment looking for the rooster now. Okay, well, I don't want to. So Peter, in verse 14 of chapter 10, begins to say, by, ne- by no means, Lord, I've never eaten anything that is common or unclean. I'm not me. And the voice came again and said to him a second time, What God has made clean, don't call common. What God has made clean, don't call common. This happened another time. It says, verse 16, This happened three separate times, The thing, and then the thing was taken up into heaven. So Peter begins to argue with God because he thinks it's a food issue. Listen, I've never eaten pork. You know I'm better than that. These heathens and pagans that eat bacon, not me. Jesus is like, I made it. So if, it's, if I made it, why is it unclean? Don't call anything that I made. Anything that I made, don't call it common or unclean because I made it. But this is bigger than just food. It's bigger than just food. God comes back and he tells him what I have made clean. Don't you dare call it common. And this is it happened three separate times. This means that it has been moved to a category called the superlative level. Anytime God says anything three times, it means pay attention. In this day, they didn't have computers where they could bold it and underline it and make a big font. So they said it three separate times. When you, verily, verily, I say unto you, it's important. But when the, when the angels in Isaiah called to each other back and forth in Isaiah chapter 6, they said, holy, holy Holy is the Lord of hosts to the superlative level. Anytime God says something three times, it means it is of the utmost importance. It is critical. Pay attention. Listen. So he had to do it with Peter. Listen, I'm telling you once, twice, three times a lady. Line up. Oh, line up, Richie. All right, fine. He told him three. My wife's still shaking. She's like, shut up, Caleb. Keep Stick to your notes. 
This, this, this thing is not just simply about food. It is a gospel-centered issue here. It is a God. Don't you dare call what is clean common. Don't you dare call what I've made clean, unclean or, or common. It's a salvation gospel issue. Cornelius, we're fixing to see this. Cornelius is a Jew. He's not a, he's not a Jew. He's a Gentile. And in the minds of most Jews, Gentiles were a lesser people group. They looked at Gentiles as if they were dogs. They did not view them as important or special like we are. From the Jewish standpoint. The Jews said, hey, we're special, we're set apart by God. Those pagan Gentiles, dogs. Dogs. We saw that in John chapter 4. When Jesus talked to the woman of the well. He revealed the gospel to a woman, Gentile. Come on. Jews didn't like them. They're a lesser people. They're a lesser people group. And so now we see this start to unpack in verse 17. So go, let's look at verse 17. Now while Peter was inwardly perplexed at all this. So he wakes up from his dream. He's inwardly perplexed at what the vision that he had just seen might mean. And behold, while he's, he's just waking up from this, behold, men who were sent from Cornelius' house, having made inquiries for Simon, stood at the gate and called out and asked whether Simon, who was called Peter, was lodging at this place. And, and while Peter was pondering... He was pondering this vision. The Spirit of the Lord said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. Arise and go down and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. And Peter went down and to the men and said to them, I am the one you are looking for. What is the reason for your coming? And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man, who is well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation, was directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and, and to hear what you have to say. Uh, okay, I'm, I'm supposed to do what? So he invited them in to be his guest. And the next day, so they came up, come on in, let's take, spend the night, we'll go the next morning. So the next day, the next day, he arose and went away with them, and some of, the, some of his brothers from Joppa accompanied him. And on the following day, they entered. Now, think about that. How many days has it taken? Taking a couple days to get there and a couple days to get back. Then this is important. They took time out of their schedule to leave. It was uncomfortable and not very convenient for them to do this. But man, what we need to do is we need to get ourselves outside of our comfort zones when it comes to the things of Jesus. We need to not live in the comfortable world that we're in. We need to get uncomfortable for the things of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so verse 24, and on the following day they entered Caesarea. Cornelius, listen to this, Cornelius was expecting them and he had called together his relatives. So this is a big deal. Cornelius is like, listen, get the whole family in. Get the house filled. Let's go. Everybody come on in. Let's go. They filled the house with relatives and close friends. And when Peter entered, Cornelius met him. And he fit. Now listen to this. Met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. 
Whoa, Cornelius is so ready for this thing that he falls to Peter's feet and starts worshiping Peter. Peter's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Lifting him up saying, stand up. I am to a man. So Cornelius has got, he's so sensitive to ready and ready for, for knowing Jesus and being saved. He's already like, oh, I'm going to. No, Peter's like, get up. Not me. I'm a man just like you. Don't, don't do that. Verse 27. And as he talked with them, he went in and found many persons gathered. And he said to them, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit with anyone outside of the nation. But God, but, remember what Zach said Friday night? Don't, don't you love the buts in the Bible? But God shows, showed me that I should not call any person common or unclean. Uh-oh. The vision's starting to come clear. It's not about food. It's not about food. It's about something completely different. And when I, in verse 29, so when I, when I was sent, for I came without objection. And I asked then why you sent for me. And Cornelius said, four days ago, four days ago, about this hour, I was praying in my house in the ninth hour. And behold, a man stood before me in a bright clothing with bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayers have been heard. And your alms have been remembered before God. Send therefore to Joppa and ask for Simon, who, call, who is called Peter. He is lodging at this house, at Simon the Tanner by the sea. So I sent for you. I sent for you. Now therefore, we are all here in the presence of God to hear what you have been commanded by God. So this, this is a completely just insane thing that's happening in the text. We've got Peter having a vision. Peter getting a... a, a, a Object lesson from the Lord Jesus Christ saying, listen, don't call what I call clean, unclean. And this is not about food, by the way. It's about something completely different. And we see now he says, God told me that the things that are clean, I shouldn't call common. And so he is now in an unclean person's house. He's in a Gentile's house. It is a it is not normal. It's not good. And we see in verse 24, Cornelius has made this a big deal. It's a family event. It's a close friends event. And in verse 25, Cornelius is so ready to follow the Lord that he thinks Peter is God. And quickly Peter gets him up and says, stop it. We've gathered here. Let's not do this. So they've got everybody in, gathered in to worship the Lord together. And, and they worship together. And the Jews are now with Gentiles and said, listen, we know this is unlawful. This is against the law to do this. But God showed me. God has showed me that I am not to call any man common or unclean. And now Peter understands the point of the vision. The point of the vision is that it's not about food. He's saying, I'm going to call men from all tribes, all tongues, all nationalities to know me as God. Last time in chapter 9... Acts chapter 9, we saw a man be saved that we didn't think could be saved. We saw a man who was murdering Christians become a champion of Christians. And, the, and there were so many things, even in chapter 9, can this guy be saved? Can this? He's a murderer of fellow believers. Can this man be saved? And now we're having this dialogue 
I don't know if these people can be saved. They're they're unclean. God says, no, they're not unclean. We see here that God is going to launch a massive multicultural church planting initiative in this, this moment. It is absolutely stunning to see what God does. And, we start, and we'll see that starting in verse 34. Peter opens his mouth and said, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation among whom he fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. And at the word that he sent to Israel, preparing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. And you yourselves know that what happened through all of Judea, beginning in in Galilee, after the baptism of John, that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with the power, with, with power, He went about doing good things and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. And he, and we witnessed all of these things. And we did both in the country of the Jews and in in Jerusalem. They put him to death, hanging him on the tree. But God raised him on the third day and made him to appear not to all people but to us who had been chosen by God witnesses and we ate and drank with him after this and he wrote after he arose from the dead and he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one who was appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets bear witness to everyone who believes in him, receives forgiveness of sins through his name. So Peter now is unpacking the gospel for the family event. He's talking about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The gospel, the good news. He's saying this is what we were told to do is we're proclaiming this, we're preaching this, and this is what it means to be a follower of Jesus and a Christian. It's the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus for sinful humanity so that they might have the forgiveness of sins. And I, listen, I've never had this happen in my preaching, but in the midst of preaching in verse 44, while Peter's still preaching, he's saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all those who heard and the Holy Spirit fell on all, the, all those who heard the word and the believers from among the circumcised, the Jews, the circumcised, they were what? Amazed. Because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on Gentiles. Even on Gentiles. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. And then Peter declares, can any one withhold water for baptism. These people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have, and we have, and he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to remain there for some days. Whoa! I've never had this happen in the middle of preaching. All of a sudden, they just the Holy Spirit falls and everybody gets saved. I've never had that happen in the middle of my preaching, but Peter does it. Peter's preaching. The whole place gets saved. The entire household gets saved. It's absolutely stunning. To see this happen. It is, it, it, and Peter realizes, listen, um, this is a legit thing. Because they got saved just like I got saved. Like there's multiple ways to get saved. Peter's like, they got saved just like me. Uh, okay, this is legit. And what happens is Peter has to go back. Acts chapter 15. 
just a couple of verses over, a couple of chapters over, in Acts 15, they got to have a special business meeting. Once again, I knew they were Baptists. They're having a business meeting. They got a special business meeting in Acts chapter 15 to determine whether or not these Gentiles can be saved. Because church people are so different back then. Let that sink in for a minute. I'm going to read some of this in Acts 15. We're, just, we're jumping ahead for a second. But some of the men came down from Judea and were teaching that brothers, unless they had been circumcised according to the custom of Moses, they couldn't be saved. So we've got Jews saying, listen, you've got to be saved. The only way you can be saved is, yeah, you can repent of your sins and believe the gospel, but you also got to be circumcised. So they're teaching works and grace. And so that's, they're, they're about to get on just get scolded for this. And after Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and they debated with them, Paul and Barnabas and some of the others were appointed to go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and to the elders about this question. So being sent on their way by the church, they passed through both Phenocria and Samaria, describing in all details the conversions of the Gentiles, and brought with great joy all the brothers. And when they had came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and the elders, and, and all of them, they declared all that God had done with them. And some believed who belonged to the party of the Pharisees. Oh, we got even Pharisees. Whoa, what in the world? They rose up and said, It is necessary for circumcision. They're, still, they're stuck on those church traditions. Maybe they've got to get circumcised in order to be saved. It's necessary. And the apostles and the elders that were gathered together to consider this matter, and after there had been much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, Brothers, you know that in the early days God made a choice among you that by my mouth the Gentiles should bear the word of the gospel and, be, and believe. And God knows, God who knows the heart, bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did with us. And he made no distinction between us and them. Having, clear, or had, have, having cleaned their hearts by faith, now therefore, why are you putting God to the test? Why are you putting God in a box? Why are you saying God can't do what he can do? You're, you're, you're a human being saying that God can't do something. Any, anybody ever seen that? How many people? Can, God can't save him. There's no way God could save her. Why are you putting God to the test by placing this yoke on the neck of the disciples? This neither is, that neither our father nor we have been able to bear. But we believe that we will be saved through grace, through the grace of the, of the Lord Jesus, just as they will. And they all in the assembly fell silent and they listened to Barnabas and Paul as they related to what signs and wonders God had been doing through them among the Gentiles. After they finished speaking, James replied, brothers, listen to me. Simeon has related how God first visited the Gentiles to take them from the people, take people from all over for his name's sake. And with this word, and with this word of the, of the prophets agreed this, we agree with this. After this, I will return and I will rebuild the tent of David and that has fallen. I will rebuild its ruins and I will restore it 
and the remnant of mankind may seek the Lord and all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who makes these things known from old. Woo. So therefore, my judgment is that we should not trouble those who are Gentiles who turn to God. But what should we do? We should write to them to abstain from the things that pollute, the, pollute with idols. So they're saying, listen, they finally come together and they finally agree in this business. All in favor of God letting God can save anybody. Say aye. Aye. Opposed. Same sign. They had this crazy meeting that says, well, God can, listen, God can do what he wants. Well, of course he can. Of course he can. Uh, he will. Even the church in the early days did this. And I find it funny that we as human, being, con- human beings continuously try to place God in this box of what he can and cannot do and, and think that there's something that we can do special or extra to make sure that somebody gets saved. I cannot save any one of you in this room. There's no way that I can save anybody in this room. It is God and God alone that offers true salvation. Amen? The only one that can be saved, the only one that can save, is the Lord Jesus Christ. It's been always God's plan to redeem and reconcile and save people for His glory and His pleasures alone. It is up to God. The Lord Jesus Christ will always find a way for his message to get to the ears of those who need to hear this amazing and awesome gift and news of, of the gospel. And, and we get to, like, listen, you and I as a church, we get to be a part of this. God's using the church to spread the gospel. That's how he did this in the Acts, and he's doing it today. He's using the church to spread the gospel. That's the, this is the reason I think the church is the most important organization in the world. I love what the Rotary does. They're good, they're good guys and gals in that group. But man, they're not doing stuff that's eternally based. They're giving clean water. That's awesome. But so is the church. We're giving physical water and we're giving water that quenches eternally. Come on. Eternally. But this isn't the Rotary Club. This is the, the New Testament blood-bought church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Period. And this is, we are his hands and feet that he has chosen to use to proclaim the only message that will save a man, woman, boy, or girl. The gospel. Listen to me. I deserve God's wrath based upon my my deeds. But I am forever thankful that I get to be in the middle and the center of God's mercy because of Jesus' faithfulness to redeem, reconcile, and adopt me into his glorified family. Listen, Gentiles have been adopted into the family. That's what we've been. We've been adopted into the family according to Ephesians chapter 1 that we've been before the foundation of the world. Jesus knew who you were. He knew you'd be here. And he said, listen, I'm going to set them apart and make them blameless and holy in my sight. Why? For his good pleasure. That's, that, that's it. Not because I'm lost. You know, I'm going to save Caleb because he's got a really good head of hair. No. Have you seen here? It's going away. I ain't got no hair. Why is God going to save me? Because he wants to? Because he likes me? Not just loves me, he likes me. That's what the scripture says. I deserve wrath, but I get God's mercy. Today, listen, today is the day that you're here today, and you're saying, Caleb, I'm a guest. I don't even know what this is. What do I do? You can find mercy today. 
Don't ever call what's clean common. God has cleaned and set you apart. He's called you before the foundation of the world. What's that call look like? To repent of your sins and believe the gospel. How do you do that? 1 John 1, 9 tells us that. If you confess your sins, that means outwardly saying, God, I am sorry for my sins. And be specific. You know your sins. You don't know mine, but you know yours. I know my sins. God, forgive me for my lying tongue. Forgive me for my prideful heart. Forgive me for my lustful intentions. Forgive me for all the junk in my life, God. He knows. Be very specific. God knows. Today could be the day of your mercy, that you find mercy. All that is required is that you repent of your sinfulness and ask God to save you. And guess what? He will. The end of 1 John 1, 9 says, if you confess your sins, He, Jesus, is faithful to finish that out. He is faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all of your sins. A-double-L, that's Greek for everything. My wife got that, all right. All of your sins can be forgiven. You say, Caleb, you don't know how bad I am. Look at Paul. You don't know how bad I am. Look at David. You don't know how bad I am. Look at the majority of the people he called in the text. Rahab, the Old Testament. She was saved. Rahab, the the prostitute. Woo. Saul, the Christian killer. David, the adulterer and murderer. If Jesus can save those men and women... He can save you. But even closer to home, if Jesus Christ can save your pastor, he can save you. That's good news. That's good news that the Lord Jesus Christ is not a respecter of persons. That sheet that was let down, the four corners of the earth, everything is... What I've made clean, don't call it it common or unclean. It doesn't matter. God is not a respecter of persons. He saves who he wants to save. And how does that happen? Through the preaching and the proclamation of the word. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Come on. Romans 10, 17. That's the truth of the gospel. So this morning, as we finish up this this part of the text here, we see this, that God is not a respecter of persons and he can clean up anything that he wants to clean up. And he can make what we thought was once uncleanable clean again. He can make what we thought was dirty perfect. He can take a mess and turn it into a miracle. Can I get an amen from somebody? And this, once again, I still love that Jesus made bacon awesome. Anybody else, anybody else thankful for that? All right, got a couple of us in the room. Well, I am so thankful this morning that you guys are here with us. Stand, if we just stand with me. You've been listening to a sermon from Pastor Caleb Gordon of First Baptist Church of Cedarville, Kansas. We pray this message encourages and blesses you this week. If you'd like to join us to worship in person, we meet every Sunday at 11 a.m. at 418 Monroe Street in Cedarville, Kansas. We would love to see you. Find out more about us online at our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Cedarvale First Baptist. If these messages bless you in any way, please consider giving to help support the ministry of First Baptist Church. Our mailing address is First Baptist Church, Cedarvale, Kansas, P.O. Box 456, Cedarvale, Kansas 67024. God bless you.